Welcome back to the Complete History of Coffee. Today, we have another special episode for you. I had the pleasure of being able to interview two individuals who started their own coffee company based off of a legendary account, which we've already heard, but it's a little bit different than the one you're familiar with. So go ahead and grab your favorite caffeinated beverage, and let's get started. The person I was interviewing was kind enough to invite me over to their home, and as a result, we were not recording in the typical studio, so the sound quality might be a little bit rough at times, but I was very excited to get to talk with them. Hopefully you guys enjoy. Hello, we are doing an interview today with Tom Wadlinski and Byron Rudolph. They are the owners of Wayward Sons, which is a distillery company which produces distilled coffee out of Santa Fe, New Mexico. Okay, so tell me a little bit about yourself, Tom. Maybe just kind of your story with coffee. Uh, my story with coffee is beside of a lifelong love of coffee. Uh, back in the early 90s, uh, I started up a coffee roaster and a couple coffee shops, coffee houses in Taos, New Mexico. They were extremely popular, um, ran for about five years, finally sold them both to my partner then, and moved down to Santa Fe, where then I started uh, becoming a wine distributor. So yeah, we were roasting organic coffee kind of a few decades before organic was cool. Organic oh, bakery. Gotcha. Um, one of the cool kids back in the day. One of the cool kids in those days. <laughs> Great. And uh, the roastery still exists. The roastery is still, it's called Taos Roasters. Uh, the coffee shops were called The Bean. Gotcha. So they were a good old Taos legacy. Perfect. I know you already tried your coffee. Do you want to tell us a little bit about what you got from the coffee? I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to smile a little bit and I'll help you out too. Yeah, this is, this is ours. He, he brought some Ethiopian um, Harara, I believe. It tasted yes, it pretty was. earthy. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Uh, which is a, I am actually getting a little bit of the berry just from the smell, which is, I didn't expect. Well, uh, you know, you, <laughs> you should. The Ethiopian drying beds. He made it beds. in a traditional um, Turkish coffee method, which you don't see in New Mexico too often and not done so. well. Yeah. Uh, I was telling him earlier that I learned how to make this. Gosh, 1984 maybe. I lived in Israel, and I was in charge of making afternoon coffee for the, the, the kibbutz. And we used to do this. And then I've spent a fair bit of time in Turkey and a couple of trips, uh, again, the 80s. And then I brought my daughter there about three years ago. Um, love Turkish coffee. You know, uh, traditionally and as a matter of courtesy, when you're in Turkey, you never have more than two cups. It's considered very rude to have more. I imagine also that'd be a big caffeine buzz. Well, it's a caffeine buzz, but I guess it also gets tempers flying. Mm. So it's considered discourteous to have more than two cups of Turkish. Maybe it's like alcohol. Maybe like, you know, maybe stop it at two. At least wait another hour. Oh, yeah. Get some they, food first. A little, little hot-headedness over there doesn't hurt at all. Yeah. Um, so when I was trying this, I got a little bit of the, the earthy, a little bit of the chocolatey. Didn't really taste as much of the, the berry flavor, though. But pairing it with um, like a chocolate-covered blueberry, it definitely brought out a lot of those berry aspects. And the chocolate. Like it brought it out in a really like, I don't know, kind of sweet way. Because it's, it's a dark chocolate. But I don't know, between the berry and whatever chocolate's in here, it definitely brought that out. Absolutely classic combination. My, my sense in general is I, I don't like mixing my coffee with chocolate because I love coffee. And I really love chocolate. So what I got on that was like a dark, dense wine flavor. Oh, um, yes. Almost like cassis. I thought it was just gorgeous. And then, of course, you get all the, the, the bitterness of a 
incredibly dry red wine. Mm-hmm. Um, and you get more grittiness, though, you know, a little unfiltered stuff in the tea. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I'm a junkie for it. I love it. Yeah, I mean, and that's what's interesting about the Turkish coffee is getting a little bit of the sediment oh, yeah. in your in your coffee. Oh, yeah. But it adds to the flavor, too. I mean, if you think about it, it's brewing while it's still sitting in the cup. So if you drink it, like, right away, it's not going to be as strong. But you're supposed to sip it. I mean, that's part of the traditional Turkish way of doing it. Yeah, you converse, you barter, you do whatever you're doing. Um, but in Turkish, you know, you're only getting about an ounce anyhow. And, yeah. you know... Uh, Sipping doesn't take too long. I like to have it when it's still yeah. hot. You know? Yeah, I mean, you could say the same for, like, wine, though. Like, a lot of people would rather just sip on their wine as opposed to just chugging it. I mean, to each its own. So what led you to working with distilled coffee? I, it really went back. I, I love history. Um, and back when I had the coffee roastery in the shops, um, again, this is about early mid-'90s, uh, and I even uh, taught a little course at the community college in uh, Taos, about wine and coffee, but I just read a lot. It's what I like to do. And there was a book back then, I wish I would have kept that edition because I've seen new books with the same name came up, but it was different, called The History of Coffee. Do you remember who it was by? No, I don't. No, it just... You know, I've read so many at this point. I don't know. Brain cells ago. <laughs> <laughs> it's all the coffee and wine. It really went back to the tradition. I had a, a wine distribution company. I sold them in 2017, and I said... Out in this backyard one night after dinner with uh, Byron here, another friend, uh, Peter Ferraro, who uh, roasts his own coffee up in Taos now for fun. And we were talking, and I told them the story of, uh, you know the story of the, the, the goat herd name called the Of that. course. Saw his goats dancing, eating these coffee cherries, and wanted to know what was going on. And he brought, at least to the best of my understanding, you know, he brought these coffee cherries to the local monastery, Sufi monastery, because here were thousands of years ago. And, you know, it wasn't like anybody was sitting around going, gosh, look at these cherries, let's roast them. You, you, you know, <laughs> there's no refrigeration back then. You do what any good, you know, monastery is going to do. You throw it into a, a vessel of some sort and you let it ferment. And fermented coffee cherries turns into a caffeinated cherry, coffee cherry wine. Caffeinated, alcoholic, cherry wine. Um, I looked it up today just to be sure because I knew you were coming over and... I had to get the facts straight. Well, I wanted to get the word. (laughs) And in Arabic, kawa, which is the root for coffee, still refers to as a type of wine. Coffee and wine are still based on the same... The last episode, um, I found that the word kawa refers to lessening something. So traditionally, it'd be referring to wine. You were reducing someone's desire for drinking something, but as coffee would work for it too, um, it's like diminishing the amount of sleep that someone might want, you know? So either way, it might work. You're listening to something. Yeah, the monks said it was great for keeping going in prayers because over a few decades, the prayers maybe you yeah. a little sleepy. No. <laughs> and when, when I ran into you at the Chocolate and Coffee Festival, you brought up that story, and I hadn't heard that version. I mean, there's so many versions yeah, oh yeah, 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 yeah. of these legends. Um, but the one that I had come across was they tried the coffee, they didn't like it, and they're like, eh, we're going to throw it into the fire. fire. <laughs> or they did like it, and they started brewing it. Either way, like they either were the first to roast it or the first to brew it, but I hadn't heard the fermenting one. And that's so interesting that you took that and we're like, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna do that as a whole business. I'm gonna make a whole a whole thing out of it. You know, we don't know which story is right. 
correct? You know, of course I mean, not. it's all legend. It could be all fake. Right. All we know, yeah. huh. So we're going to grab the ones we like. And for me, because I, I love wine and I love coffee, those are my two favorite things in life as far as beverages, I grabbed the story that I like the best and thought, this makes the most sense. Of course, and I yeah. Like it. And, uh, but, you know, also the monks were tremendously important. Like, like Burgundy, the, I think the greatest red wine in the world, was developed by monks. You know, yeah. if you read enough about wine, monks are there all the time, or beer. Um, yes, yes. And a fair bit of distilled spirits too. You know those those monks kind they of. They were like, going a little hard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we like those guys. Um, and how long has your company been around? Oh God, I have no memory. Uh, we we we. Two thousand nineteen. Yeah, we spent so about a recent. year. Yeah, we bought a little coffee distiller about, or not a coffee, a, a, a little <laughs> still about. It looks like a popcorn popper, one of those ear poppers. Okay. We put it up here, and we tried all sorts of versions with uh, green coffee beans, roasted coffee beans, light roast, dark roast, semi-fermented. You know, we're, we kept trying. I assume you used the cherry, though? I, you know, we did not use the cherry only because we're in New Mexico. Nobody's... Oh, nobody. Yeah. That would have been actually the absolute classic way to do it for the company we're thinking about doing. You'd have to, like, go to Hawaii or something. It would be a lot easier... Hawaii, or even honestly, just down in Mexico or Guatemala, oh, sure. Brazil. Yeah. Um, we didn't really want to base a company, a small distillery that we're doing for a hobby, anyhow, and then have have it be problematical to become your source. Yeah. So we didn't do the coffee cherries, which is what. So what did you end up using then? What was the final result? So there was a lot of there was a lot of stuff that went down the drain. <laughs> just tasted and smelled awful. Uh, <laughs> But then I think both coming from the wine background, we, uh, we were looking at something that wasn't, wasn't going to hit you in the back of the head or be overwhelming. We wanted to look for uh, elegance, layering, some, some, some uh, kind of the fruity quality of coffee versus the bitter quality of coffee, and something that had an elegance and, and sophistication to it. And so in talking about where do you get that in wine, or where do you find that in coffee was higher altitude, Harder beans, lighter roast, uh, and going to whole bean. So it was just kind of that. So the discussion just evolved somehow, just in terms of like what we were looking for and what we weren't looking for okay. in the profile of this strange idea we had. And we had no time frame, so we could just practice all we wanted right. until we found what we sense. wanted. What we ended up doing is going right back to the same roaster that I'd purchased yeah. back in the 90s oh. and having them roast us up coffee, and we real. What our end product ended up being is we thought it was best to take the coffee, cold brew it. Right. Cold oh, brew it. Okay. So you got, you know, I mean, now we do it, is it 100 gallons at a time? Yeah, so the cold brew, we wanted to extract less acid and less that bitterness. So we went to cold brew with whole bean versus brine. Gotcha. So, so do that. And yeah, it's 100 gallons at a time. I've never tried making cold brew out of whole bean. That sounds very interesting. It's very pretty nice. darn good, yeah. Really? So then once the brew is done, would add in organic sugar and yeast. That's all the ingredients. There is nothing else. Okay. And over about 48 hours? Uh, no, the fermentation's about five to seven days. Oh, thank you. Okay. This, this uh, is so about a week. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. So it's about two days. It's two days of, of making the coffee and then about five to six days of fermentation before it goes completely dry. Yeah. The tank's and bubbling then, over, you know, yeah. it's fermenting, bubbles are coming out. The beginning of the fermentation process and the aromas coming off the fermentation tank are absolutely incredible. I should have prepared that that one. <laughs> <laughs> That's very cool. It's, what did I say? It was um, mocha brownies. 
in the oven or something yeah. like that. <laughs> it was. It was. It was. It was it's an intoxicating smell or aroma. It's, it's really a, very cool. No, it's great fun. So then, uh, again, if we were going really back to the time of the Sufi monks, that's what we would have served. But we're not scientists. We weren't building a huge distillery. We got a yeah. tiny little state-of-the-art distillery. Well, but, I'm sure, I mean, that's what they're doing. It's just a bunch right. of monks. They're just like, yeah, we're just going to put some stuff together. Yeah, but we didn't want to put uh, this coffee wine, kawa, I guess it would be called, in the bottle because then it, <laughs> we were worried about like a batch going bad. We don't know. Nobody's oh, ever done this yeah, for a yeah, thousand yeah. years. So then we decided, okay, we'll take this wonderful coffee wine about eight and a half alcohol. How much alcohol? About 11.5%. Coffee wine. And yeah. then we put that through the still, mostly because it became a product that then was a heck of a lot easier to put in a bottle than... Yeah. No, that makes sense. I think that's really cool that you guys use cold brew because I know I've tried coffees um, doing it as a regular brew versus iced coffee or French press or cold brew. And it's so different when it's a cold brew versus almost anything else, honestly. It really it brings down certain aspects of the flavor, but it'll bring out other aspects. And that's that's actually kind of I don't remember how we arrived at that, but it was that's the evolution that went to because a lot of the, the stuff that we started with it just tasted awful. It seemed to too much acid, too much acid, too much kind of that ashtray smell that you get out of the, the roasted bean. Oh, that makes sense. And how long are you guys um, brewing the coffee whole bean for? About forty-eight hours. Okay. Because I, I think normally it'd be maybe like 20 to 24 hours if it was uh, ground, in my experience at least. Yeah. So I guess you just have to brew it a little bit longer, but that's cool though. And it's, it's just swirling the beans around and, and getting them to you know, four or five times a day. Yeah. Okay, well, what are, what are we trying, Tom? That, this is distilled coffee. That's so just coffee. we described to you. It nothing smells else. like coffee, coffee, but it smells like straight liquor. Yeah. And, well, and like going up in my nose with a mix of coffee. It's 80 proof coffee. It comes off I suppose still. we're sipping it, but I also feel like I'm supposed to just like you take this as a shot. <laughs> um, what's it come, come off the still at? So what was that? What, what degree of alcohol does it come off the still? Oh, about 174 proof. So 174 proof wow. comes off the still. Cut it back with distilled water? So yeah, it comes off the still at 174, and then um, we bring it down with, with uh, just pure water. Um, to about 125 proof. Which I was like, so without that, it'd just be like moonshine. Right, so, bring, so that's, that's a barrel proof. That's traditional barrel proof. Mm -hmm. And then it goes into a, a used rum barrel that held rum in South America. And so that's some, it's a, it's a neutral barrel. But it, that, so 125 proof is barrel proof for most liquors, or most spirits. And then it sits in that barrel for approximately 30 days and then gets bottled. Wow. Which then is we bring down 80 proof in the bottle. Such a process. That's so cool. When I was at the Starbucks roastery in Chicago, you go to the top floor and that's where all the like mixed drinks and stuff are. But I wanted to try a cold brew flight. So they had regular cold brew. Um, you could get um, barrel whiskey, like aged barreled whiskey. And then they also had a cold brew that was aged in a whiskey barrel. And honestly, it was crazy trying that cold brew because it tasted like whiskey. But I'm like, there's no alcohol in this. Why does this taste like whiskey if there's no alcohol in this? So it was just crazy that it actually makes a difference using some sort of like barrel aging process with that. I bet you that coffee picked up trace in this alcohol. Yeah, <laughs> a little bit, probably. I definitely got a caffeine buzz, though, that's for sure. Between the cold brew and then the second cold brew, I was a little jittery. One of the old uh, used barrels in my backyard right now. You can't quite see it because it's over in the corner, but it's... 
hanging out there. Just a nice memory of a barrel we used. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. Oh, I was going to ask, what kind of coffee do you use? What roast and what region? We went for a lighter roast. Where did we go to do the Never need the fiasco blend. Oh, the traditional fiasco yeah. blend. Okay, so um, back to the story a little bit. When I left, the, when I um, sold my ownership of the coffee company to my partner, we're, we're still really good friends. Um, I just wanted to leave Taos. I've been there for like 12 years. And uh, moved down towards Santa Fe. Mm -hmm. About one or two years later, I started this wine distribution company, which I had been ahead for 14 or 15 years, and sold in 2017. But we drank a lot of coffee. I mean, we're, we're there early. We're there at 6 a.m. every day. And, um, and so I reached back up to my friendly roaster, my old roaster up in Taos, and she roasted us. We created something. We did a big tasting of like a dozen different blends and ended up with what we call the Fiasco Blend, which actually oh. became kind of a big seller for them because Fiasco Fine Wine was the wine distributor. Gotcha. But now I have to go back to 2003 and remember what the heck the Fiasco Blend was. Mostly Peruvian fire engine. I, I remember Peruvian too for some reason. It's <laughs> the funniest know, thing. It's all higher altitude. And it's a medium roast. Like the oh, we, the beans. I don't remember the others. We did what we call the Viennese blend, which was um, uh, light roast and dark roast mixed together. Yeah, well, like uh, 35 Degrees North does. Yes, but they, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, yeah, their house blend. I think it's like two two dark roasts and a blonde roast, or it could be flipping that. But they, they mix it together in a post-roast blend. I remember what it was now. It was, um, um, you don't really see it now, New Guinea. It was New Guinea and, oh. and um, Peruvian brought together. I, those are like two of my favorite coffees. Oh, that is so So cool. like I, I see exactly what you were going for there. Well, uh, yeah, because I didn't want, because I think the Peruvian's a little higher acid than I prefer. Yeah, definitely. And then the I remember having it like fresh, like I, when I was in Peru, oh. we would have it fresh, and it was amazing, but it's also very acidic. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And the New Guinea then, to me, has just some of the classical, unless you're going to Ethiopia or traditional Yemen. Yeah. Um, you know, you get those incredible earth tones and wine tones. And I just thought New Guinea was probably the purest expression of those. Why I just wasn't using Yemen or Ethiopia, I don't know. Definitely, yeah. But that was a nice blend. So that's what, that's what the fiasco blend was. Uh, I don't know if it still uh, is because now it's But been, at the time, yeah. that's still really cool, though, like doing like a blend of like a post-roast kind of thing. Yeah, had to make sense, yeah. And Latin American coffees just in general are just phenomenal. So. Well, Latin American coffees are great. I don't like them straight up without a blend because, again, because they're wake up. There's going to be a little little more caffeine, a little more acid. Uh -huh. Then you get to the Pacific Which is why I like the dark roast, though, personally. I go a little bit more on the dark Dude. end because then you get a little bit less of that acidity. I like it like an Italian roast. But you know you roast out caffeine. That is true. I mean, if you get down to like a French roast, you know, they spray it. With caffeine, to get that's it why it looks up. so oily. Oh, that is so funny. Yeah, I found that out when I was working at Starbucks. I didn't know that because I was like, we were talking about like, wow, this coffee is so oily, and then someone was like, well, don't you know? And I looked it up. It's true. Well, now I'm confused because you mentioned earlier the 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 the, the flavor profile. You're looking at the fruit and stuff in wine, which you can't get that in Italian roast or French roast. That that stuff is. It's true, but I like chocolate nutty oh, right, there more you than go. fruity, <laughs> which is why I like Latin America more than African. Personally, oh, I'm always gonna go to. Yeah, um, but um, next week I'm going to be in Hawaii, and I find that that has a kind of a nice balance between the fruity and like the chocolate nutty. Yeah, I guess it depends on where you go. Like if it's the Kona coffee or not. I'm going to be um, in Kauai though, so I haven't tried their coffee specifically. Last time I was in Oahu, um, and I got to try a couple of the coffees over there, and they make a pretty good cup of coffee. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they do. Um, 
somebody once described it to me a couple of decades ago when we were first learning to roast because we bought the roaster. Uh, somebody had abandoned it at a, at a coffee shop in Santa Fe, and I happened to be doing oh, a, yeah. a, a, a wine sales call right next door. Oh. And the landlord of the whole property comes in, and he's complaining that my tenant stranded me. They left me this note saying, here, we're sorry, we can't pay rent. Please keep. And that, that's how we got the roaster. So then we called up. How big is the roaster? How big was it? Is it? Yeah, it's like, the same like, one they're still using. Um, like half a car. Like half a car? Wow. So how much coffee can you roast at one time? It was 30 pounds. Um, but it was kind of funny because, like, oh, we just bought ourselves a really great quality coffee roaster. We don't have the slightest idea what to do with it. Uh, <laughs> so we called the people that built it somewhere in, like, near Spokane, Washington, around there, uh -huh. and flew out there to learn how to roast. The people that built it were the ones that taught us how to roast. Wow. But they used an analogy that I've never forgot. They're, like, talking about roasting. And they're going, well, think of like bread, white bread, wheat, rye, pumpernickel. If you put them all in the toaster and you toast them dead black, they all taste the same. But that is what an Italian or, or French roast is. It doesn't matter what bean you use because I you're tasting the roast, not yeah. the bean. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, that's an interesting that, that thought. That makes sense. That was their explanation. I know. I find, though, that when you do dark roast, you can kind of bring out a little bit more complexities that you might not be able to, but you do lose certain tastes, so that's fair. Yeah, you're trading roast, you're trading fruit for the complexities of the yeah. roast. There's no doubt about it. You got yeah. you like you trying to get it right to that. And I think that's why some people like, prefer blonde or medium or dark. Yeah. I guess it's just all a matter of taste preference. Yeah. I mean, personally, I prefer tea over coffee. I mean, it's Is just that right. I know I have this whole podcast and everything. That's hilarious. But he, I love like he, a he good, changed the a tea good iced tea. I'm a, I'm a tea drinker. I can't do it. I can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> Not enough caffeine. That's fair. No, I just like the flavor of coffee so much. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, well, I was mentioning, too, how it's such an acquired taste. Um, and it's interesting that people enjoy drinking coffee, but the people who enjoy drinking coffee love it. Black, it doesn't matter. If it's, if it's a mediocre cup, like, that's fine. If they can get, like, a good quality cup, even better. If it's exquisite, like, that's amazing. But, like, they don't really care. They're just like, yeah, I like coffee for coffee. Yeah, I love coffee, and I want a black all the time, but I, I think average coffee is really hard to drink. Yeah, that's fair. Like, you don't want, like, a gas station, Folgers No, I'll, I'll, I'll wait a little bit. Yeah. Those little road trips, and you got an extra two hours the next town. It's like, oh, God, I need to get coffee. Yeah, you're like, yeah, that's okay. I mean, I think that's the point when you're like, yeah, maybe I'll just go, I'll go to a Starbucks. Like, yeah, I'll yeah. bite the bullet. I know it'll be okay. Hey, they do a good <laughs> job. Starbucks does a good job roasting. Um, okay, well, I think that's all, unless there's anything that either one of you wanted to mention. I'm curious what you think of drinking this uh, distilled coffee. I really enjoy it, and I'm kind of curious, do you guys mix this with anything? Is there like a go-to? Go on the website, they'll give like cocktails and stuff like that, but I kind of like to sip it like this. To be honest, actually this in coffee is good, or this with a little bit of cream on ices. Gotcha. Kinda, okay. Kind of works yeah. pretty easy. It doesn't take much effort to... Give yourself a um, good hit. And then it makes a really good old-fashioned, too. Oh, yes. I think that's what I tried, was the old-fashioned at the Chocolate and Coffee Festival. Put it into a cocktail that people can wrap their head around. Of course. There you go. Um, well, why don't you guys go ahead and let the audience know where they can find your company, um, like if you have a website or anything like that, or you guys have, like, your Instagram page. The, the company, again, is called Wayward Sons. We're, I mean, a tiny, tiny little craft distillery 
Byron and myself here are the only two employees, except we've never actually taken a paycheck, so I'm not sure if employee is the correct word. <laughs> um, it's really a labor of love. We wanted to go back in time and create something we just loved. Um, you know, we're supported off the bat by, you know, Total Wines, Whole Foods, uh, here in Albuquerque, Jubilation, et cetera. Are people able to order it online if they were interested in that? At this, so. point, at this point, we're not set up for online. Maybe soon, though. Yes. Maybe, yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, great. Please send us an email at the, uh, at our, at the info at wayroadsonsdistillery.com uh, for any inquiries or questions that uh, are not answered. Yeah, we'll make okay. something happen. We don't know what, but great. we're doing this for fun. Hopefully you guys enjoyed this special episode. I know I sure did. If you haven't already, make sure to look us up on social media at The Complete History Podcast Series, where we have a growing community. And please consider donating to our Patreon. For only the cost of a latte a month, you can help support this and future projects within this series. Next week, there will be no episode. Unfortunately, I know we already missed one episode last week, but I recently got my wisdom teeth out. Between that and this vacation, it put me a little behind on my research, but don't worry, we'll get back to our regular weekly episodes after that. While I don't have a quote for you guys today, I wanted to say thank you, and I appreciate all of the support we have received so far. Stay tuned next time as we trace Coffee's journey from the Islamic East to the European West. <laughs>